Rewind it back to the days of chillaxing on the beach and all-day fun with Spring Break on DraftKings Casino. Play exclusive games like Fan Fave Rocket. The excitement is endless, the vibes are right, and the cash prizes could be huge. New players, start playing with just 5 bucks and get 100 back instantly in casino credits. Download the app and use code COLLEGEDRAFT to book your one-way ticket to fun with DraftKings Casino. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Pour yourself a cold one. They strike them, huh? And listen to Russ Tucker break down the top college prospects on another tasty edition of The College Draft. Yeah, it is daddy soda time here on the College Draft Podcast. I can't believe it is March and next month, April, will be the NFL Draft already, which is awesome. We're presented by BetOnline.ag. They are your online sportsbook experts. That is the key. BetOnline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% welcome bonus. He's Matt Waldman. He can be found on Twitter, at Matt Waldman. He is the owner of the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. You can find it. Matt Waldman, RSP.com. This is something that NFL teams purchase. That's how thorough it is. That's how in-depth it is. And that's why I feel so fortunate that we get Matt Waldman on the show each and every week here on the College Draft Podcast. Again, Matt Waldman, RSP.com. I should probably tell you. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, five teams, seven years, now five podcasts, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast Podcast, Even Money Podcast, College Draft Podcast, and Andrew Brandt's Business of Sports Podcast. Love them all. And you can also check out some of our other shows, Hazard Ground, Ball Blast, College Football Bros., all awesome, awesome shows. Um, and I should also mention um, Amazon. On the on the homepage of RossTucker.com, you, there's three different Amazon buttons. One is Amazon for the U.S. The second is Amazon Canada. The third is Amazon UK. And if you click through there, any of them, it takes you to a landing page. Make that bad boy your uh, bookmark that as a banner ad or bookmark that landing page and then just make your purchases through there. And it helps us in a big, big way. So highly encourage you to do that. Really helps a lot if you do. Really excited to dive into the combine and get Matt's thoughts because Matt has a little bit of a different perspective, don't you, Matt, when it comes to the combine? So let's start with this. Who were some of the players 
that you had really strong grades on that won't change much in your mind despite disappointing workouts this weekend? And, you know, Ross, it's interesting because I could probably list a lot of people because trainers and agents complain more than I've heard about in recent years about the downtime between drills that they're claiming led to some soft tissue injuries during workouts. And, of course, you know, with the trainers and agents, there might be a little bit of posturing with that to help a number of players who had disappointing workouts. Um, But, you know, I haven't really heard it to that extent this year until this year. And looking at some of the times with a lot of these skill players, I expected a lot better and I expect better pro days. Of course, a lot of times people will say there's going to be better numbers for most players um, on those pro days, but the the workouts will be in a way where they're not having to wait as long. And I think that there's something to that, especially when you think of the NFL's attempt to make this event, um, you know, more palatable for a viewing offense and they're tweaking things to the point that maybe they, they bit off a little more than they could chew in terms of having downtime. That's, that's healthy for the players for the benefit of television. So with that in mind, you know, some guys who may have been victimized by that a little bit, or just from what I've seen on tape and in workouts, I'm, I'm not buying um, some of the bad disappointing workouts. I'd say Antonio Gandy golden out of Liberty who ran a four, six 40, a four, five, five, 20 shuttle and a seven, three, three second three cone drill. You know, I think that, you know, watching him play, watching him face, um, some bigger time schools. I've seen him perform, you know, pretty well in terms of being able to get separation, being able to accelerate. Um, and even if that is something that where he's a little bit on the lower side, I think there's also something to do with being at a smaller school where in that environment for any length of time, um, you know, those guys sometimes don't have the facilities of the big time schools that have more professional caliber training. I mean, Preston Williams, the Dolphins rookie receiver was my number seven option on my wide receiver board last year. And he ran a four, five, five 40, a four, three, six, 20 shuttle and a seven Oh six three cone drill. And he only really spent a little bit of time at Tennessee. And of course, CSU is likely a step up from Liberty, but I think that some of these guys, you, you look at the, you look at them kind of learning to the test and, you know, getting them into a, a, a pro workout facility can help those guys out. Um, another guy who that expected to be, you know, probably a little bit better in the 40 um, it was Quintez Cephas, the wide receiver out of Wisconsin, who ran a four seven three forty and also had slower 20 shuttles and three cone drills at four three three and, and seven two. But he also leaped a 38 and a half inch vertical and, and did a 23 bench, which was um, better than any receiver. And Jeff Okuda, the Ohio State corner, who's faced a slew of top receivers and is one of the best cornerbacks in the country. He talked about Cephas as being the toughest receiver he faced in his career at Ohio State. So I'm, you know, Cephas's physicality, I think he's faster than what, you know, based on what I've seen on tape, I think he's faster than what we saw in the workouts. And then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire certainly matches that at a 4-6-40. I think that's expected if you watched him. I've joked around that he's kind of an Emmett Smith starter kit in terms of his size and dimensions and the way that he plays in terms of having excellent vision, low center of gravity. And I think that despite not turning in a, a 20 shoulder three-cone drill, I think people aren't going to really be worried about his 4-6-40. I'm certainly not. Um, and the same goes for Darius Jet Anderson. You know, his, 
is 46140, doesn't befit his nickname. Um, but he was 196 pounds at the Senior Bowl last month, and he added 12, 12 pounds this month and still ran a terrific um, 4.193 cone drill and bench 19 reps. I think he, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, the burst is still there from that. I think that this is someone that may be also getting comfortable with the added weight. We'll see how that works. LaVisca Chenault also at four five five. You know, he had a likely sports hernia that is going to require surgery in four to six weeks. I think he already had the surgery, in fact. Um, I still think he's one of the three to five best receivers on the board. And I'm he- hearing people talk about he's had multiple injuries during his career, and this is what you're going to get out of him. But, you know, predicting injuries is such a, a faulty type of thing. And, and a lot of the injuries that he had are are not the, the soft tissue type that, he may come with guys who may be overly tight in terms of, you know, he's not the type of guy that might just stand up and pop something. It's just more of a, here's a guy who they used in such a, so many different ways, especially running him into the line of scrimmage as well as then using him as a receiver. And a lot of the issues he had, I think were more about, you know, playing in a capacity like a running back. Um, and then I would, you know, just add two more guys. I mean, Jake Fromm, um, you know, if you're worried, you know, if you were worried about velocity and hand size, those were things that you kind of knew would probably going to be coming. Um, and he's more of a fit type of player. I mean, you're not going to probably want to draft him if you're an AFC North or AFC West team that wants a quarterback who's going to play out in the elements more often. But give him a, a team that's, you know, that's going to play with a little bit more warm weather or indoors or, um, or playing an offense where there's a little more short passing. I think that still Jake Fromm would be a great fit. You know, according to my buddy, Mark Schofield, who writes for me at the RSB, former um, division three quarterback and who was at the combine, he talks about Jake Fromm being in Chicago, being a great fit. And I agree with that, how he could challenge Trubisky right away. And then speaking of teams that face a lot of Southern teams, you know, Indianapolis, I mean, if they're not, if they're not happy with Jacoby Brissett as a long-term answer, Jake from what he can do, um, you know, playing inside as well as facing Southern teams that are going to have um, better climates, you know, he could be a really good fit in that West coast offense that they have. Um, and then Derek Brown, who ran an 8.223 cone drill. while not really known as a pass rusher. And that was a really slow time. I mean, his game's about stuff in the run. So I'm not really concerned about that. And if there's a longer wait time for some of these bigger guys, you know, maybe he got a little cold. So from what I've seen on tape, the guy's a total monster and what you ask him to do and, and, you know, bending the edge isn't exactly what you're asking him to do. So those are guys that I thought had concerns in terms of workouts that I'm not so concerned about. All right. I like it. That was very thorough. What about some guys that didn't have great film grades? You didn't love them on film. And it's not going to really change in your mind what their board places on your board based on having good workouts. Yeah, and it's not as long of a list, but, you know, headlining that, Tanner Musa Clemson, the safety, you know, listen, I think anyone who, who knew about how he's worked out in the past knew that this 6'2", 227-pound safety was going to be a workout warrior at the combine. It was pretty much anticipated by everyone um, who's been following him. And, he, you know, he ran a 4 4 three forty. but everyone, you know, if you've watched him on tape, it's pretty clear that 
his coverage ability still is an issue. If you're looking at him as a safety or defensive back, he's, he's someone that's kind of slow to flip his hips. He doesn't recognize things as fast as he needs to. There's a lot of talk about trying him as a coverage linebacker in certain ways, um, as opposed to using him strictly as a safety. Um, Jordan Love, you know, we talked about Jordan Love at the beginning of the year, the quarterback at Utah State, and he apparently had a terrific job, you know, throwing in drills. Um, but to me, you turn on the tape, and I think at best he needs at least a year to be a complete, not to be a complete disaster as a decision maker and pocket player. And, and you know, listen, there's a lot of talk about him being compared to Patrick Mahomes. And, and if you were the same people who compared Patrick Mahomes to being a reckless gunslinger who was going to need a, a year or two at least – to at least be okay in terms of reading coverage and making smart plays. And you were worried about him being, you know, over, you know, someone who was just going to rely too much on, on, you know, crazy playmaking skill that most likely wouldn't fit in the NFL. If that's how you looked at Patrick Mahomes, then you probably love Jordan love now thinking that Patrick Mahomes you know, somehow made that great step because he was with Andy Reid and because he was in that um, Kansas City system. But to me, I think you're giving way too much credit to Kansas City and and the Chiefs system, who deserve a lot. But there's a difference between Patrick Mahomes maybe being a top 10 quarterback in another system and who might have had an up and down first year. Um and being, you know, the, uh, you know, an MVP level, both are still very good starts for a young guy. So I think Jordan loves getting too much of this Patrick Mahomes comparison. And it, it doesn't work when I look at the tape, it's just, unless you just, you know, turned on a couple of plays where he, you know, he made plays that looked approximately like that in his craziest highlights and not everything in between Colby Parkinson, the, the, the tight end for Stanford, he's 6'7", 252, and he had a pretty impressive 4.7740 for a tight end, 4.4620 shuttle and 7.153 cone drill. I mean, that's all starter-level athletic ability in those drills from how I look at that, but it doesn't show up on tape when you watch it, watch him play. And it's interesting because while I don't like to just compare players from the same schools and say that, you know, you know, like there's some guys manufactured off an assembly line. It's interesting to me that Stanford sometimes ends up with really high athletic, high end athletic guys at that position. I mean, Devin Cahoost is a perfect example of a guy who had, uh, you know, who was a, uh, an undrafted free agent with three different teams on their practice squad and retired from the league without ever really, you know, making the, an impact. He had a 4.6240, a 4.2 shuttle, and a 6.43 three-cone drill and a 36 vertical leap. So just to give you an idea, you know, I've seen a lot of guys at Stanford in terms of that position who who, who may not really, their, their workout times don't match what they put out on the field. And then, you know, I like this guy, and that's Cam Akers out of Florida State, but he's always been a gap runner to me. You watch him, and he's a guy that if you give him one choice at the line of scrimmage, and let him just hit that crease with the intensity and, and focus on, on manipulating that one crease, which is different than having maybe three different choices where you have to play it a little slower. You know, Cam Akers is a good fit as a gap runner. So when you look at his combine, 
you know, he had really good long speed at a 4.47, but his three-cone drill was more of a contributor-level grade. Well, that kind of fits that he's best in a gap scheme. So if you're, you know, if you're concerned about the three-cone and, and 20-shuttle type of times, and he may not hit that, he's still worthwhile for what he's best used for. So you have to do a little bit of interpreting with that. All right. Whose workouts were most puzzling to you, Matt, that surprised you? And you're going to go back to the film room to try to either validate or dispel those workout times. Yeah. And one of these is, you know, some of these could easily be due to what I talked about with what the agents and trainers were kind of complaining about. I'm looking at, you know, a good example is Jerry Judy, who had a four, four, five, 40, which was very good, not an issue. But then he had a 4.5320 shuttle, and that's a reserve level time for a guy that's considered, you know, extremely quick. And 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 you would think, well, he better have he. You would think he'd have really strong acceleration. And it doesn't make sense that he'd run a 4.5320 shuttle, but have a 4.4540. Um, so you know, when I see that number, it's I'm going to give it due diligence at least by just going back to watch him accelerate after the catch on plays where he's not having to make a zillion moves. Um, and just see, you know, if I can judge that a little bit closer and, and see if I can find some instances like that, just as a good reminder that there's nothing there to that time. Um, DeAndre Swift out of Georgia, you know, he wasn't in my top five of backs before the combine, and that's lower than what the consensus has been on him from what I'm hearing. Um, but he wasn't that far away from the top five either in terms of what his grade was. There was very little separation, but and you know the the times that he had could be a product of waiting too, but he had a four four three cone drill and a seven point one two shuttle, and they were a little slower than I expected. And and frankly, he's been a tough eval for me. Um, you know, I've had a tough time evaluating him in terms of you know in terms of where exactly I feel like he fits within everything in terms of certain grades I want to give. I see a little bit of a D'Angelo Williams type of back at times, which would be a high compliment. Um, but I, but I do, I did have concerns about, I, I thought it was more that his, um, speed would be, um, you know, that his speed, that his top end speed would be slower and he did run a four, six. Um, but I thought that his acceleration and his, and his, um, change of direction burst would be better. And it, and it really wasn't. And then Albert Okwa Boynum, um, the, the tight end out of Missouri, He's been one of my top two tight ends on my board, but all, all, pretty much all year. But I really didn't expect a four four nine forty from him. Uh, and I, and while I've seen him hold off defensive backs on longer seam routes, it's usually when he's winning downfield against zone coverage, and you so you don't really see him beating the cornerback or safety man to man head up. So I was really more concerned he was going to be on par with Jared Pinkney, who when I watched him at the Senior Bowl. He had difficulty being able to separate beyond, you know, separate against defenders beyond anything that was a run within 15 yards of the line of scrimmage. And Oklahoma just basically blew that away. And I just kind of want to go back and, and watch some of that because I, you know, how I project him and think of where he wins, it, it seems like he's just kind of blown that range open a little bit more than what I expected. Based on what you've seen, from these players, who do you think really helped themselves this weekend? You know, Justin Matabuike, who was a guy, you know, defensive tackle at 
Texas A&M, we talked about him early in the year as a guy that I really liked. He had, you know, 31 reps on the bench press. He posted a, a really nice time in the 40 at 4.83. And his 7.373 cone drill is very good for a defensive tackle. And everyone pretty much talked about how nimble he was in the, in the uh, you know, the drills and the position drills and that hoop drill that they added. He looked really good in. And this is a guy, you know, as we've talked about, he's played multiple spots on the defensive line as a one technique, a three technique, a five technique, and occasionally as a seven outside the tight end. And he's often double teamed. Um, and he's been a guy that, you know, few have been able to handle him one-on-one. Um, and he's consistently good with his, with his hands and being able to shed very quick lateral movement. And I think everything that he does on the field pretty much showed up in the workouts. And so I think he really strengthened that. And he's always known as a very smart player. Um, Adam Trotman, a Dayton, Dayton, the tight end, um, you know, he had a 4.2720 shuttle and a 6783 cone drill. Those are kind of sizzling times for a tight end. And he looks like a big receiver at 253 pounds. He looks like he could probably add 15 pounds to his, his, um, to his body and fill out. And, and, you know, so it's interesting to, to watch that. And, you know, this sounds kind of intangible about equality, but when you start watching players, sometimes you see the way someone moves and the best way I can describe it is you remember those like rock'em sock'em robots when we were kids, probably a long time ago, back in the seventies and eighties. And you watch something wind up and they move or the stratomatic players and they, they kind of vibrate the way they move. There's like a kinetic energy about them. There's two players that I've seen in recent years who kind of move with that intensity. And they were Juju Smith-Schuster and Adrian Peterson, which is great company. And I'd have to add Adam Trotman to the list. And I think this is a guy that's going to develop, um, even though he may not be an immediate impact guy because tight end such a hard position to transition. And he comes from a smaller school, but he's seen more double team coverages at Dayton than I've seen any tight end faced with in ever, I think. And I think he's going to actually see less of that in the NFL. Um, so if he can make the adjustment conceptually in terms of what's different in terms of being a blocker and route runner, I, I think he's really worth keeping tabs on. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn came in at 215 pounds, and that's a big deal because he was 195 pounds at the Senior Bowl. But I thought on film he looked like he ran like he was a 215-pound guy. So either that melted off during the year and uh, and I might be worried that it melts off in August for him because sometimes that happens with young running backs. Um, still watching what he did on tape and how he delivered at least with a four five one forty, it kind of indicates that he's going to wear that weight pretty well. Denzel Mims was one of my top three receivers based on film grain entering the Senior Bowl. Um, he didn't have any current concerns after that week, and I think he, his testing only reinforced that he has the chops athletically to match what he shows on the field, which is terrific, um, you know, releases really skilled at the catch point and able to beat people downfield. And I know that people were really down on AJ Terrell a little bit after his, um, the Clemson cornerback after Jamar chase at LSU just killed him in the national championship game. But, you know, he's had a really good career and, and I think his workouts reinforce that he faced an excellent wide receiver prospect in chase who had just had a better day and not overthink what happened to Terrell. And, and then I would add two more and that's just CJ 
Henderson, the cornerback from Florida. We talked about him earlier in the year. I've really liked him in terms of his coverage ability, um, you know, the type of um, competition that he's had to face, how he was really that last line of defense for, uh, you know, the running game as well as big plays and often coming across the field to catch people. Well, we saw him run a 4.39 and also do 20 reps on the um, bench press. You kind of got an idea with his workouts in addition to his his measurements and times that, it, you know, that it fits what he's shown on the field. And then the last guy is Joshua Kelly out of UCLA, another guy that I've liked who I thought conceptually was one of the better backs I saw on film playing for a UCL team, UCLA team that hasn't played so so well this year. Um, but his workouts indicated, you know, at a 4.49.40, a 4.28.20 shuttle, and a 6.93 cone drill, those are all really good times. And I wondered, is he more Chester Taylor, who's a fine backup who could start for a team if needed, but you might be looking for someone the next year or two, or is he more of a, a top-end guy? And I think he's closer to, and I, you know, I don't want to say direct comparison because, who, you know, talent-wise, he's not on that plane. But he's more Terrell Davis than Chester Taylor if you look at guys in terms of his size, height and weight range. So those five guys, five or six guys, really did well for themselves this weekend. Who did damage to their cause, Matt? Yeah, I, I'm just going to go with two because, you know, again, a lot of the guys I mentioned up top at the very beginning of this in terms of, you know, due to possibly what happened with having to wait around and everything, some of those guys may end up on that list, even though I'm not so concerned about them. Um, two, though, that stood out, I think A.J. Apinesa, the the Iowa um, defensive lineman, you know, the, the book on him in the most basic way I could say it is strong hands, but stiff. And, you know, if you're going to distill it down to that strongest and weakest point, he looked that way, you know, in terms of his workouts, he, you know, he, he timed stiff. He was apparently looked stiff in workouts as well. Um, so I think he hurt himself some. And then wide receiver KJ Hill out of Ohio state, you, you know, I liked him. Um, his four six forty might be his true time. Um, you know, he was someone who at, at Ohio State is kind of known when you look at Michael Thomas and then you look at um, Campbell from last year, who's with um, Indianapolis. A lot of OSU is kind of known for having certain roles for their receivers that may not use them to their fullest abilities. And I wondered if that was the case with KJ Hill. Um, he just did an excellent job at practice at the senior bowl. But then you look back on it and think, well, a lot of the routes he ran that were excellent were in one-on-ones. There's no safety over top. And that gives you a little bit more freedom to, to be creative with your routes in a way where you, you're not always as efficient as you need to be. And so when you're a four, six player, you know, in the 40, maybe a little slower on the top end, you, that may not be something that's easy to see it at, you know, for just the eyeball when you're watching him beat, you know, top corners, but there's no safety help and the quarterback's not on a, on a major time limit to throw this ball in the way that they, they would be in the pocket in the game situation. So he won the, the senior bowl weeks. Um, but I think that there's a reason why he's probably used more in the slot and he's likely to remain as more of a slot guy than a perimeter guy. And I've had, I had some concerns watching his tape where I just felt like, um, you know, his routes and, and pass catching when the, when the game actually was going on 
wasn't as strong as what I saw with his workouts, you know, say in Mobile. And and this week, you know, wasn't a great week for him. Love it, Matt. Almost as much as I love betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Use the promo code podcast one for the 50% welcome bonus. You can place bets on the draft right now at betonline.ag using the promo code podcast one and the information our guy Matt Waldman from the rookie scouting portfolio just gave you. Other than that, the keg is kicked. We are all tapped out. Thanks for listening to the College Draft Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and The Business of Sports. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.